Saturday morning cartoon with your host, Kaylin and Cord. Welcome, everybody, back to the Saturday Cartoon Podcast. I am Kaylin, one of your hosts, here joined by my best buddy, Cord. Say hello to everybody, Cord. <laughs> welcome back to all our returning listeners. If you're new here, welcome to the family of Saturday Cartooners. We are excited to have you join our wacky, nostalgic team of awesome people. Um, a little bit about how this podcast works. We like to dive into everything that is 90s nostalgia, specifically the best time of the week when you were young in the 90s. And I can't remember, Cord, what time of the week was that? Well, let's see. Uh, I'm, it wasn't Monday, and it Never. wasn't Tuesday. Now, Wednesday, mm-hmm. nope, wasn't Wednesday. Nope. Thursday feels a little closer, but not quite getting there friday it friday feels pretty hot it's getting pretty hot but it's not quite there yet and then we turn the corner and it's saturday morning (laughs) yes i am burning up you found it that little hot and gold game we found saturday morning cartoons the best day time of the week and so a little bit how this podcast is going to work is we like to start off just going down memory lane. So each week, either myself or Cord will pick a very specific yet memorable item from that 90s amazing decade where we will just talk to the other person about that. They may know what the item is. They may not have a clue or never have owned it. We're going to wing it and see how it goes. But these are going to be iconic staples from the 90s that we're going to dive into to really Get the juices flowing for that 90s nostalgia feel before we jump into the gack and bones of our podcast where we dive into various 90s Saturday morning cartoons. And right now we are still deep into Darkwing Duck. Can I make, um, can I make a confession real quick? Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, wow, no, I wasn't, so, I wasn't so expecting this. Last podcast we added the segment at the beginning where we talk about a 90s item. That was kind of a, a new thing we threw in there after our first episode, if you recall. I do, I do. It is very quickly becoming my favorite part of this entire podcast <laughs> in that I, one, like I love the cartoons. That's fun. And it takes you back and it's great to dive into that. Like what was, the, you, it's such a time capsule. You get to see like things were like in the 90s and whatnot. But thinking about the item I'm going to throw at you when it's my turn to give you a 90s item and to think what you could be ready to throw at me I, I just, I'm giddy with anticipation. Look at my face. I'm giddy. You guys can't see it, but. No, I, I, I will vouch for that. That's what I think of when I think of a giddy face. I just saw it. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, as much as I absolutely love the cartoons as well, I was very excited to pick an item and go down memory lane without you having a clue of what I picked. Folks, I don't know what item he's going to throw my way. It might be something I have never heard of. Actually, I kind of hope that is the case because I think it'll be better pod if I've never heard of this thing and you have to talk the entire time about the item you picked. I've got a feeling I was a pretty big 90s guy. I was a man about the town in the 90s, if you will. Um, So I, I probably know what this thing is. But if it's not, you know, something I'm familiar with, it's going to be really interesting to hear you talk about it for about five minutes. 
And though I think you will know every 90s item and artifact, I also think it would be kind of fun if we found items the other person never heard of. Mm-hmm. So, like I said earlier, we're going to dive into that segment next, followed by our episode versus episode of Darkwing Duck, where we each took a brand new episode from the series that we are watching on Disney+. Plus. Neither of us know which episode the other person watched or the synopsis of that episode and what we're going to do is we are going to dive right into each discuss the again the gack and bones of each episode and decide who had the better saturday morning experience by the end of our darkwing duck segment one of us will win the coveted prize of a container of fresh brand new gack can you hear the fart sound already, Cord? Oh, I'm ready. It's green gak, too. The king Ooh, of gaks. The king of gak. So, when we return, we will dive right into nostalgia. So, please get your L.A. Light shoes on, because we are about to take a trip down memory lane. Let's go. Welcome back, everyone. So, Cord, I have one question for you. Ready. Do you remember the first time you had to be a responsible adult and care for the life of another living being? Yeah, it was one of those days um, back in, you know, 1990, probably three or four and um, mom and I, we were, we were at the local Walmart. This was before it was a super Walmart, mind you. Those things, those little puppies weren't out in, you know, in, in Northeast Iowa yet. <laughs> uh, just good old-fashioned regular Walmart. Uh, really, personally, kind of prefer those Walmarts, frankly. It's, uh, it's a little bit easier to manage. And, uh, and we were strolling through the store. I was thinking about what toy I could get. You know, usually you get to get that one sweet toy as you go, mm. go through the toy section. And this time... The toy wasn't a toy at all, but it was a goldfish. <laughs> and and uh, six-year-old me uh, made the transition from boy to man when I took that fish home in the sense that I had to care for it, not anything, uh, not anything inappropriate. I see where your head's going there, guy. And uh, no. <laughs> Mr. Goldfish, uh, I do believe his name was Goldie. He actually lived till a ripe old age of like six or seven. I must have done okay. Um, so that took a twist I was not ready for. Um, I guess I should have been more specific, but let me ask you, what's the first, (laughs) freaking Goldie here, uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the word Tamagotchi? Tamagotchi. Uh, well... Uh, the Tamagotchi region of Japan, of course. <laughs> so, First. again, uh, a twist and turn turning out great is I'm talking about the Tamagotchi electronic living alien pet that you oh. were asked to raise. Did you ever have one of those? You at least know what they were. I need a, I need a step one from you for this one. I did. Uh, that, that thing, I, I'm pretty sure it was a legal requirement. You know how, like, 
nowadays there's this whole debate like should people have to have id or not well we basically had that debate in the 90s and it was should you have to have a tamagotchi or not and the answer was collectively as a society we agreed yes you should and you will have a tamagotchi if you're a child in the 90s so we settled it once before maybe we'll figure this one out i don't know uh but let's get back to that the tamagotchi um my tamagotchi the first one i acquired after of course several kids at the school had them and then you have to beg and beg and beg to get your own absolutely um my first one was a little t-rex guy uh which looking back now like wise choice young man i mean just a great selection what what else would you have gone with a little cat a little dog a little you know triceratops they had them all but t-rex was just the perfect choice no for the tamagotchi to begin with the the fact of the matter was they were all supposed to be some form of an alien species but they obviously resembled animals or creatures that we knew about so the fact that you got a t-rex is amazing because i'm pretty sure mine was supposed to be a cat but it turned out to look just like a blob with ears Mm. these things took over 1996 and i feel like part of the reason was because they came out by a very well-known toy manufacturer like hasbro or who have you ever heard of the toy group called bandai Ah, Bandai. Bandai, yes. Who are also very well known for another very popular 90s staple that we'll eventually get into called... Transformers? Or Power Power Rangers? Yeah, you got both of those. Holy crud. All right. Wow. I was... was, was, was lived. (laughs) You've lived. So the weirdest thing about the Tamagotchi that, I mean, we're going to dive into a bunch of weird things that I found about this product, but do you have any idea why on earth it's called a Tamagotchi? Uh, it's from the Tamagotchi region of Japan. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I am sitting over here on pins and needles to find out why. I can't wait. So, and I'm going to just preface this. My Japanese is... I don't, I don't know how to speak Japanese. A little rusty. So, yes. The word Tamagotchi comes from Japan for the word Tamago, which means egg, and Yachi, which means watch. Egg so watch. Think, egg watch. So think about what, what did your Tamagotchi look like? Can you remember what it looked like? Well, like hatched out of a little egg. Yes. Yeah. And in the little, the shape of the thing was an egg, wasn't it? Right. And did yours ever, was yours ever part of a sweet old keychain? Hey, you're giving me the third degree over here. <laughs> it's, it's getting, yes. I think it had a keychain thing on it. Yes. Yes. So we had egg watches attached to our six belts mm-hmm. that were called Tamagotchis. And none of us even knew. We just thought it was a cool word from another country. At least I did, but I guess I could be ignorant. Leave it to the Japanese to take, like, the pet rock that had been good enough for, like, I don't know how long since, like, the Stone Age, maybe? Uh, probably, right? And Made then, like, okay, it's been a good, like, you know, 10,000 years. We're going to go ahead and give that pet rock an upgrade. Introduce Ooh. the Tamagotchi, the egg watch. Absolutely. So with your Tamagotchi, what are some of your fondest memories 
that you remember from the original Tamagotchi? What are some of your responsibilities to that virtual T-Rex? Well, you know, it was pretty realistic in that you really had to feed it, you had to play with it, and you had to clean up its crap. I mean, that was, <laughs> it's kind of what it boiled down to at the end of the day, right? No, that's, that's probably the best description of the there. So the original Tamagotchi actually had three functions. And again, I am, you have lived a life because you nailed all three. You had to feed it or get hungry. You had to keep it happy and you had to discipline it. So if it started to poop all over the place, you had to clean it up or you had to scold it for pooping all over the place. It had only three functions. And you know what one function it didn't have? The original Tamagotchi, which I don't feel most kids have lived until they lived without this feature on a virtual pet. Can you recall a terrible day in your Tamagotchi's life that you had no control over? Well, I think if you ignore them long enough or something like they got sick or maybe even like died, is that, is that ring a bell? That is exactly the bell I wanted you to ring. The original Tamagotchi actually had no pause button, which they adapted later in the years so that people could, like, put their animal on hold. Because the original one, you had literally, like, I used to ask my sister to take care of my Tamagotchi and vice versa. Because if you, you couldn't pause it. You couldn't say, hold up. Well, I'll be back. I'm going up north or I'm going out of town. No, you could not pause your Tamagotchi, which meant it would crap all over the place, starve, get sick, and eventually you'd come come home to a dead Tamagotchi. Yeah, and then you have to like just reset it, basically, like start back over from scratch. Is that how it worked? Yeah, then you had to take the little the little like push pin, and on the back side there's that tiny, tiny, tiny little yeah, hole. Yeah, use a paperclip. Boop. Hold Boop. it. Oh. Now you're now you get a brand new egg, which gets to the point where these Tamagotchis had three states of life. They half started the egg, they went into young adulthood, and then they went into adulthood. And most of the time, these Tamagotchis would just live a full life before they died, which is kind of a full life cycle lesson for a young child at that time. It taught you kind of how precious and and short life can be and really to, to value every minute that, that you're in it, I feel like. Now, here's the question. Have you ever, have you ever thought, what is my life without a Tamagotchi nowadays? You know, I have, I have been thinking that lately. It's funny you should ask. Huh. Well, there's a reason. There's a there's a reason I ask because actually, <laughs> in 2018, so we're talking two years ago, mm-hmm. there is actually an app on iPhone, Android, all the little various media is called My Tamagotchi Forever. Whoa! You can literally get a new virtual, brand new Tamagotchi on your phone. Any day of the week, no matter who you subscribe to, you can relive your childhood. I don't have much, like, obviously, I'm just going to put a, a warning out there. The Tamagotchis nowadays can get away with a lot more. You can marry them. You can breed them. They can have their own offspring. You can send them on playdates, all this weird stuff. But you can have your own Tamagotchi again if you're really missing your old little T-Rex friend. 
I kind of wish they would just give me a basic version, like just take me back to the uh, the really simple feed, play with, and and clean up the poop. <laughs> like the other, the marriage and the breeding, it just sounds like a lot of work right now in my life. I don't need, but right. you know, I could play with them once in a while, give them some food, you know, swing by after work, clean up his crap. That would be okay, my little buddy, bring him back. Well, if you want an original Tamagotchi, there are actually, there is still a website for Tamagotchis that you can actually order a real, authentic, original, egg-shaped Tamagotchi. They're about $22 plus shipping. You can get your egg in different colors, which mine was white, which I don't know if they had like a magical array of colors. But you can get still the three-button. You make them happy. You feed them. You clean up their poop. Tamagotchi, if you want to relive your childhood in a very authentic way mm-hmm. that I think is actually less hassle-free. I mean, clean up their poop or they die. I mean, that's basic life. Authenticity is important to me. And so I think the original is where we're going to have to go. You put it on the iPhone, you get away from what made it so cool in the first place. So I don't like to live my life on pause. <laughs> 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 the best way. The, the best way. So... Thank you all for coming down memory lane with us. We are going to now jump into our episode versus episode of Darkwing Duck. So please get ready because we're about to dive right in. Quickly go ahead and make sure you feed that Tamagotchi. Clean up its crap if you need to. You don't have time to play with them. You're going to have to do that. No. So we're jumping in. Beak first. All right, Kaylin, here we are, the segment of the show where we dive into a couple episodes, this uh, series that we've been watching, and we've got a couple more podcasts on this series, um, is Darkwing Duck, a 90s classic. Nothing really says 90s to me, like a crime show where the hero is also a very kind of flawed character himself. The audience is able to laugh at him. As, yep. as the hero of the show, but he's still a crime fighter at the same time. And my goodness, has there ever been not just a cartoon, but any show with more puns than Darkwing Duck? Like, it is just chock full of them. No, I, I didn't really actually think of that, but now looking back, the, the amount of puns per episode is probably the highest of any show that's ever aired. We're talking a pun like every other line in this series absolutely even i mean the episodes are more likely than not a pun in themselves and then you watch the episode and it's just so many puns per capita i was not prepared if you know that guy or girl who is dropping puns like it's nobody's business you're just like how did you get so good at puns here's what i want you to do when you see them next when you you know get back to work on monday because it's Saturday morning right now. Yeah. I want you to go up and go, hey, you like Darkwing Duck, and that's how <laughs> And then just walk away. Just give him a little wink, kind of turn, walk. I mean, that's you don't have to explain anything, because they're going to know that you know, that they know you know they know what they know. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, and the longer you stand there, and make it known that you know that you know that they know and we all know, 
it's just going to start to get awkward. And chances are they're going to drop a mean pun on you. So you better just yeah. get, your, get your ass out of there because you can't stand up until you watch all these darkening ducks. So True. walk away. You'll thank us later. Perfect. So with this battle of the episodes, mm. Cord, would you like to go first or dose? Sir, this week I yield to you. The floor is yours. <laughs> One mistake you will not make again. So, for my episode, I chose a 90s staple that if you're watching on Disney+, Plus, it is episode 32. That is a three and a two. Right after the technically original opening episodes, I chose the episode called Toys Czar Us. Is that czar like a Russian czar? That is a Russian leader, C-Z-A-R, Toys R Us. Talk about a pun. Do you remember Toys R Us? Uh, do you remember Russian czars? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Touche, touche. Toys R Us, so many gosh dang good memories. I feel so bad for kids that didn't have a Toys R Us in their town, whether you're in a rural town or your city's so big, the, to- the big the Toys R Us is like an hour away across New York City or whatever out in the burbs, and you could never right. get Toys R Us. These were truly magical places for a child. They were, yeah. I can't say it any better than what you just did. They were magical places. So the minute I saw this episode was called Toys R Us, I had to watch it. Hey, Toys R Us, if you're making a comeback and need some <laughs> advertisement, we're taking sponsors. Reach out to SaturdayCartoons at gmail.com. All right, so let's dive right in. We start this episode with a very iconic sports game that most of you might know. It's called Let's Play Baseball in the School Hallway. Mm, classic. Mm. So we have Goslin and her friends deciding, hey, I'm going to play some baseball in the hallway. And as any logical person can guess, it obviously goes wrong when Goslin smacks that baseball through who other than the principal's office window. I saw that coming from the minute you said baseball in the hallway. Yeah. Exactly. So that starts the fact that the principal and Goslin, they're not friends. They know each other. It's not Well, she's a little troublemaker. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. If you don't know what a troublemaker looks like, Google Goslin Mallard and you'll know. Mm. So we go from that immediately to this toy store that has no toys. It's completely empty. How did we get there? It just, it went literally, the principal came out of the office and said, Goslin, you're in trouble. Cut screen, we got Darkwing Duck talking to the manager of this toy store, saying, hmm, we got to find a clue. Where'd all your toys go? Oh, okay, okay. So Darkwing's over here trying to solve a crime. Got it. He's trying to solve a crime, and he's like, there's no clues, there's nothing left. Like, where is this? All of a sudden, Darkwing gets a little phone call. And by phone call... It's this weird thing, so I guess they don't really want to use cell phones, so instead they use a miniaturized thunderquack, which if you remember from the last pod, the thunderquack is like the actual like airplane they use to get around. It looks like DW's head. So a miniature version of that comes flying in, 
with a little camera that says Launchpad says, hey, DW, Goslin gets got in trouble at work. Uh, not work, school, because she's obviously not able to work. But for so, some of us, school was like work, let's be honest. Right. So he gets a call basically while he's trying to solve a crime from the principal at the school and says, you have to come to a parent-teacher conference. So, I mean, I'm no parent, but apparently, even if you're solving crime, you have to go immediately. So he does. So <laughs> crime aside, go deal with your kid. This is where things get really weird. So he's talking to the principal, and the principal's like, this is the third time Goslin's been in trouble, so you know what that means. And she, that would be a little bit, like, more sense than what I thought. She pulls out a giant wooden paddle, like one of those old-school, like, fraternity-looking paddles, like handle and paddle. She goes... This is her third time. You know what that means. And she brings out this giant wooden paddle to show DW. And I'm sitting in there like, they better explain this, which, of course, they don't. We're going to play cricket. (laughs) Right? Because then it's weird because then she's like, oh, no, I was just kidding. I'm not going to actually paddle her. Here's a cheese platter. Let's discuss this more in depth. She's a very weird principal. She's got an interesting kind of like a scare tactic approach to leadership. Like, oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like she's probably wearing like a power suit too, isn't she? She's this. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and so she knows like, oh, I'm going to intimidate them with my paddle, and then be like, "LOL, just kidding. Here's some cheese. Let's have some, some quackers with them." Yes, exactly. And she does that, and Darkwing's totally buying it. So then, of course, what does the principal do? She gives him the book called The Perfect Parent, probably a Nobel Peace winner, bestseller, New York Times number one. Um, I'm sure it's a real book. Mm -hmm. So she gives Darkwing Duck this book called The Perfect Parent and says, you need to basically become this or I don't know, she's going to beat the crap out of Goslin with this paddle that she warned Darkwing of. Right, yeah, like she leers back over at the paddle, like hinting, like I'm gonna beat this child with this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill her with how much I'm gonna beat her with this paddle. I might beat you with it. Yeah, and I'm just just gonna beat you with her after I beat her with it. So then he takes this book home, and he he actually cares enough, which is kind of a dichotomy because originally he wasn't all like I want to be a parent, and now he's all for it. He's like, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to become the best parent ever. There's a good line that Goslin says when she sees him referring back to the book and she refers to the book. He, she goes, what you reading? And he goes, Oh, it's a, it's just a book I got from your principal, blah, 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 you know, parenting, whatever. And she goes, Oh, so it's science fiction, which I thought was kind of ahead of her time. Cause I feel like she kind of might've known that the perfect parent is potentially unobtainable. That's pretty deep on the writer's part right there to be right. Yeah. If they're trying to teach you how to be the perfect parent, it's basically make believe. Yeah. And Goslin points that out. And all the while DW is doing a very, okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. When you think of the perfect parent in the 90s, what would be the stereotypical ideology of a perfect parent? Well, to give you like a, 
uh, a m- image in your mind, you think of yes. like um, Boy Meets World, the parents. Um, you you okay. think of Family Matters, uh, the parents, uh, Carl and whatever her name was. Um, you you think of uh, what's another like staple back then, like step by step, the two parents that that had that huge goofy family, even though I think they were like maybe products of divorce, like together mm-hmm. they were the perfect parents. Like they're just the dad's there to come in and put his arm around you and kind of guide you through, you know, through conversation. Yeah. Once you've screwed up, um, the mom is there to like make the whole house work and it keeps everybody kind of on time and gets everybody fed and out the door and oh, it's crazy and exhausting. That's the perfect kind of parent setup from the nineties that I think of. Perfect. No, you nailed it on the head. So because DW is technically a single parent, mm-hmm. he takes on that role of the stereotypical 90s mom that you just described. He's doing laundry. He's trying to clean up the house and make it perfect, make sure everybody's fed well. Needless to say, he's not very good at it to begin with. He can't multitask. He's he's still trying to be a crime fighter, but now he's trying to be the perfect, which I'm going to say in the 90s, he's trying to be the perfect 90s mom as it was described back then. Mm-hmm. Like I said, back then, things are different now. He's trying to pay that very stereotypical Stepford wife role. So we obviously see he's doing not very good. So they, they flash back to the, the toy store that he just decided, oh, well, I have to go to this parent-teacher conference. And that's where we see Quacker Jack, mm-hmm. who I always felt was one of the best villains in the Darkwing Duck series. Describe him, please. Cracker Jack is this jester-looking duck who, if you ever know, like, medieval times with the the bells on the hood, kind of like a clown, but more medieval style to make Mm -hmm. the king laugh, Mm -hmm. that's Cracker Jack. And his goal in life is to get his toys into the hands of the public. Mm. He thinks his toys are superior, and that's why... It's a noble goal. Right? Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with what he wants to do, except he is basically now admitting to the store owner, I stole all your toys, because I'm going to replace them with my toys, because I want to sell my toys and not yours. So that's a... I mean, that's a little bad. That's a classic Machiavellian move. Like, he's saying, the end is my toys should be in the hands of all these children. It'll make them happy and maybe make me a little profit on the side. Here's the means. I'm going to steal all your other toys. We have no other toys to sell, but my stuff. Well, how's that work out for him, buddy? I mean, the fact is the manager of the store goes, we can't sell your toys because they're too dangerous, which is another staple I feel from nineties toys, because eventually I feel that the, toward the end of the nineties is when people started to actually, decide whether toys or even video games were too violent. So I feel like this could have almost been a precursor to that mentality of your toys are too violent. We can't sell them. And this other entity, AKA Quacker Jack is coming in and saying, well, let the parents decide, let the kids decide they're fun toys. He pulls out, and I only am bringing this up because I think this is hilarious, but he pulls out a toy called Mr. History Doll which is his least violent toy when you think of it. Because all the other toys like explode or they bite you or they attack you some way. Mr. History Doll, his power is he bores you to death. 
which I, I don't know if you're a fan. I mean, you might be more of a fan of a history, but I felt like that really resonated with me as a, with a kid because I, to this day, am not a history fanatic. So the fact that they bring up a toy that's like, it's not going to kill you immediately. It's going to slowly bore you to death. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty revolutionary. I think any of us under the age of 12 just have a real like reluctance to try to learn any history. There's something like in your DNA that makes you like, ew, no, thank you, please. Like I can tolerate spelling class. I can do some math and, and reading and whatever. But when you get into history, it's just like, okay, boring old white guys. I get it. I'm done. I don't need any of this. And then when you get to be older, you're like, Holy crap, those might have been the most valuable classes. I should have paid attention. <laughs> exactly. No, back then it was definitely something that you would use on your enemies. Uh, I'm gonna talk to you about history. So swoop in Darkwing Duck. He comes to the store. He is gonna come basically back to this crime now that he's made sure Goslin's okay. He poofs in. First of all, he comes in with red smoke, which, again, here's a fourth wall breach because he identifies the fact that this isn't his regular blue smoke, which I thought was really clever because I didn't even register like, oh, your smoke is different colors every time. But literally he pops up with his new smoke and is like, oh, I guess I must have ran out of blue. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he goes in and... It's a little nod to the fans that are watching every week. And it's like, you know I usually use the blue smoke, but it's red this time. Oops, I'm going to acknowledge that. Exactly. No, it was very, very clever. And so he comes back. He sees Cracker Jack. Obviously, they go at it. There's a lot of really funny puns, such as I'm getting weary of these games. You know, everything in this episode is related to toys. Like, every pun, every... Like, nuance of a joke is always related to a toy, which brings us into another iconic staple of the 90s. Do you remember the inflatable Bozo the Clown punching bag? Sure, absolutely. There's other variations of the punching bag. Like, I do know that was one popular model back then, but I had um, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, yeah, inflatable punching bag. It's like sand at the bottom, and you can just beat the crap out of it. And you just punch it. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's actually brought into this because the way that Quacker Deck gets away is he sends one of his toys, which are all his toys are very much normal toys, except they have a very dangerous component. So like those teeth, those fake teeth that you wind up and they clack, and the chatter. Yeah, yeah. So his like can literally eat you, like kill you. And so he releases a Bobo punching bag, which is basically Bozo the Clown. But this thing inflates to the point where it literally like fills the space so it can't go anymore and then explodes. Mm-hmm. So Quacker Jack uses that, inflates it up to a giant size, and it explodes. Darkwing gets sent out. He lost that battle. Quacker Jack gets away. So this is a real pivotal point in Darkwing's, I guess, life. Because he starts talking to Launchpad, his sidekick, and he starts realizing, like, Launchpad volunteers, like, you know, if anything were to happen to you, I would take care of DW. Not DW, Gosling. And Darkwing's like, no, 
I can't leave Gosling with Launchpad. That would be a horrible mistake. And then he starts to realize, well, I, if something happens to me, what's going to happen to Gosling? Mm-hmm. No, she could we're go to the orphanage or be stuck with Launchpad, whose heart is made of gold, but his brain's pretty small. Exactly. So that's where Darkwing decides to literally become Superman. He gives up crime fighting and he 100% dives into being Superman. He cleans the house, no more crime, only household needs. Needless to say, and I think this is another staple of the 90s, Goslin hates it. She thinks, I don't, I like it how it used to be. I don't want like all this quality time. Your parenting is too loving. Like she hates how overbearing he becomes. Which I think is actually a helicopter parent. Exactly. Which I think is very stereotypical of the 90s, because like I know. When I was a kid, I loved just doing stuff by myself. And then when my parents would want something from me, it would be like, shoot. Okay, uh, I wish you would have just left me alone in my room for seven hours straight. Exactly. Why can't I just live in my room? So we think that's bad. Darkwing decides to single-handedly write, direct, and publicize a school play starring Goslin. Just, I mean, he must be amazing at multitasking when it comes to writing theater because he does all of this, creates all these flyers, and promotes this basically like a one-woman fairy tale show featuring Goslin. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting, like, move. You know, like, I get, I get the thing <laughs> to, like, be the helicopter parent. Like, I'm going to make, you're going to be good in school. You're going to have good manners. Yep. I'm going to write and direct a play starring you at your school. Like, that's just a... Weird move there, uh, uh, Drake. It's very weird. And if that's not weird enough, things are about to take a very dark turn. Quacker Jack gets a hold of one of the flyers publicizing this play featuring Goslin. Quacker Jack decides that parents won't like his toys, but kids will. So he decides his next step go to this high school or elementary school play and kidnap all the kids. Mm, there's that Machiavelli tendency of, of Quacker Jack again. If I, if I steal the kids, they will play with my toys. Playing with my toys is the end goal, so it's justified. Ah, that guy. This was a turn I wasn't expecting. And so they, all the kids are backstage. They're not really wanting to do this because they want to rebel against Darkwing. And... Cracker Jack gets them to follow him by using the best four items to get a kid to follow you in the 90s. No parents, no eating your broccoli, tons of TV, and unlimited toys. And the kids follow him. If you had thrown in um, ice cream and Doritos... I, I'm ready to follow I mean, Quacker Jack right now, I, frankly. Right? Yeah, I was still to this day. And so, obviously, they all follow him down into his dark sewer of toys. He literally lives in the sewer with all his toys that are too dangerous for kids. This is where it gets even more dark. So, he has all the kids that he's kidnapped. They're in his little sewer horror of toys. And he's giving them his toys and saying, Hey... 
I'm ready to have you have my toys. Are we good? Yeah. Sorry if I look distracted. There's literally a cardinal looking in my window tweeting at me. Like a real life. It was like, I can't, oh, yeah, this, I, I can't make this stuff up. It literally was in my window tweeting at me. And what makes it weirder is I'm literally in a basement. Like, <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't supposed to happen. I'm not. We should get back to the toys and the sewers. Okay. All right. We, I, I digress. Sorry. No, but we need to pause. So I'm going to pee my pants. Okay. Let's take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And back. Awesome. Okay. So kids follow Cracker Jack into the sewer, which is very normal. Um, and this is where it gets even weirder. So, Cracker Jack's goal isn't just to, like, give out free toys. He wants to make a profit. And so he is like, okay, these kids are going to buy my toys. But I don't know about you, but when I was five or six years old, I didn't have that much money. I was dead broke. (laughs) Zero dollars to my name. I didn't start making a steady income until I was at least 12 or 13. Yeah, the only way toys were getting purchased is if mom or dad, mostly mom, was doing the purchasing. Exactly. And so he is offering this toy to one of the kids, and he goes, okay, that's twenty-two fifty. And the kid goes, I have a quarter and some lint in my yep. pocket. That's pretty realistic. So obviously he's like, well, I'm not going to give you my this toy. I'm, you know, I need to make a profit. So Quacker Jack comes up with this very brilliant scheme. Let me, (laughs) it's so messed up when you watch it nowadays, but it's like, (laughs) let me employ the kids to make my toys. Then I'm going to pay the kids for making my toys and then have the kids pay me for the toys they made. It's, it's actually kind of a rip off. What they're basically ripping off is the old like union town where, you come to work at this remote like log, you know, factory or coal mine and the company sets up the whole town, the stores, everything, the gas stations, whatever. And whatever you make, like in your, your measly wages you make in the mine, they just deduct it out of your, you know, from your credit. And when you go and purchase the things around the town, it's, it's a classic play on that. Uh, So good for him for like taking one out of their, it kind of worked for, for a while there. No, and Goslin has the same mindset you just did of like, she makes a comment of, well, why doesn't he just give us the toys we make? Like, why is he paying us and then having us pay him back? Like, she registered that there's a very weird connection there. And so clearly she wants to get out and she wants to bring her friends with her. If them working as children aren't, aren't bad enough, they're all chained together. So he really... He's really keeping them there. I don't want to, you know, use any terminology that might not be PC, but they can't leave. They have no free will to leave his workforce. Some would argue that kind of activity builds character in a young child. Cracker Jack would. Quack, Cracker Jack, he's in that <laughs> camp. He's there. Um, no, it's good for them. It'll teach them character. Uh, you get but, all the character. <laughs> but most people would say... That's actually uh, uncouth. True, true. And so uh, Goslin decides we're getting out of here. We're breaking free. We're done. 
she takes them deeper into the sewer. And this is where another very big 90s staple I came, I feel came into play because in a lot of uh, cartoons, one of the main food groups that is really popularized is pizza. It's pizza is like every episode of every show. It's so good, which is probably why I'm obsessed with it nowadays. I feel like that might have been some subliminal message in my head. But they're crawling through this sewer system when Goslin smells pizza. And she's like, we have to go towards the pizza set. That's our best way of getting out of here. And so they're crawling, they're crawling, they're crawling, whatever. They find our hero of the series, DW, eating a slice of pizza above a sewer grate. And they're like, hey, we're down here. Let us out. You know, get us out of here. And, of course, at first he's like, whoa, where's that voice coming from? Yeah, a little humor, right? You know, like, I don't know what's happening. I can't help you. And so it's just a delay of tactics because then the, the chompy teeth come back and literally take the kids back. They are caught and they're dragged back to Quacker Jack's child labor laws in friction camp. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've already been a little bit turned off by some of the themes in this episode, but I don't think you're prepared for what happens after he catches those kids. Well, so far we've definitely touched on um, like helicopter parenting and child labor and um, kind of like the idea of generally our arguments for ends justifying the means. So I've so far, I've been very turned on this entire episode. So I can't wait to hear what's next. Um, again, unexpected twist there. So Quacker Jack catches these kids and he decides the punishment for trying to escape my production line against your will is I'm going to blindfold Goslin and place her in front of a toy soldier firing squad. That's one way to teach her a lesson. It's the most let-me-make-a-cartoon-out-of-a-real-life horror situation that I've ever seen. (laughs) They are ready to shoot her. She is literally standing there. And then, of course... Darkwing decides, I'm coming out of retirement. I'm not going to be the parent anymore. I need to go save Goslin. Mm -hmm. He swoops in with another line. So as we notice, Darkwing always comes in with a cloud of smoke and he always makes like this like kind of a metaphor, this like pun or this line on something that is usually related to what the episode's about. Mm -hmm. He comes in this time and he goes... I'm the quality time that ruins your playtime. And I'm like, that speaks to me as a child on so many levels. How did that, how does that make you feel, Cord, to hear that? Well, it's pretty clever. Uh, it's, it's both playing on something that we as children like knew way too well, which was our parents trying to do the quality time thing. And you're like, LOL, get out of my face. I just right. want to play Ninja Turtle toys. But also it plays in nicely with the whole episode and how he was trying to be helicopter mom and things like that. So, uh, yeah, good, good use of that. His little monologue that he does, his pop-up monologue 
whenever he's about to take on the bad guy. Yeah, good use. Perfect. And then this initiates obviously the fight between DW and Quacker Jack trying to basically save the kids. And as they're fighting, they're fighting through this, like, basically it's like a, a treasure trove of dangerous toys. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, um, the movie Little Monsters with the monsters under the bed. It's been a while. Is that with the kids in the Wonder Years? Yes. And he goes under the bed with Howie Mandel, who's a blue monster. But they have all these, like, toys and fun stuff everywhere. That's basically Quacker Jack's lair. And all of a sudden, out of the blue... Darkwing sees a conveyor belt of toys being made, and these toys are literally the Grim Reaper. Like, he's making Grim Reaper toys, which is when DW goes, this guy needs to seek professional help, which, again, way before it's time. I don't think I would have actually understood that. But needless to say, they start fighting. They're using all these toys. Blocks are tumbling. You're you're feeling very nostalgic because they're, like, fighting in a toy land. Mm-hmm. And a 90s Toyland. A na- oh, it's so 90s. Mm-hmm. And so then Quacker Jack goes back to his kind of like staple way of winning and releases another giant inflatable Bobo or the mm-hmm. Bozo the Clown. Just like he did it in the original encounter. Exactly, because he knows it's going to work. But did and Darkwing so, learn from the first one? You'd think he would have learned, but we had to have a first, a real moment of internal struggle because him and goslin are now getting pinned against a wall by this giant bobo and they're literally getting suffocated to death like darkwing actually says we're probably going to get suffocated to death before anything else kills us and goslin's like where in your book was it does it talk about reassuring a child and i mean i mean that's above its level as well and so this is where a part of my 90s history comes into play real big because they're trying to reach for each other's wing or hand and they find the little plug-in to the inflatable and they can't pull it out. So Gotham says, use your teeth. It works every time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you had inflatables or like even super soakers. But there are those little rubber things that you would blow into you could never get them with your finger, but if you put your mouth around it, you could always deflate stuff with your teeth. Yeah, it's like, um, it's those, it's essentially a nipple you can push in. <laughs> Am I right? Like, I realize yeah, yeah. it sounds kind of ridiculous, especially when you talk about like, you just put your teeth on it and it pops out. And uh, But they're, they're the little nipple hole that you would blow the to inflate the item. So, exactly. So she makes that little reference and probably connects with all of us in the nineties because we're all like, yeah, that's how you blow things up. Yeah. So she's like, literally stop using your fingers, use your teeth and you can deflate it. So Darkwing does that. It deflates, explodes. It only seems to hurt Quacker Jack, which I I mean, this is the end of the episode. So obviously he gets hurt, foiled. He DW is saved. Goslin is saved. They go back to the play because that's the best thing to do after an event like that. And this is where we just see DW and Goslin get better, co- uh, like connected, because mm-hmm. DW throws away the parenting book, and he lets Goslin wear her baseball cap instead of a crown for her little fairy tale play that he wrote for her. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we were left off of they they kind of like reach this new understanding, like Goslin can still be 
this tomboyish child, best of both worlds, as well as DW can be this really good parent, as well as a crime fighter. And so we're left with that feeling of you don't have to give up either. You can just take the best from both. Cute well, yeah, little it's, it's harmony. The lesson is that there's a balance to be reached in the whole parenting and letting the kid be themselves. And that was a, a very 22-minute episode kind of helping us understand that it's about the balance and you don't have to be the perfect parent, but there, you also don't have to be the absent parent. And if you are, then your kid might be a little shithead. Ooh, we're going to have to exactly. bleep that out and post. <laughs> we're going to be out. We're, this is a, a doo-doo head. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, kids will get you to say the darndest things. Um, right. So it's, it's in, but you also don't want to go to the extreme and overparent them. It's going to drive them nuts. It's going to drive you nuts. Uh, you have to sacrifice your career in some instances. So right. it's about balance. I think there's a really good takeaway in your episode that came through very clear to me. Uh, in addition, some good entertainment with the whole Quacker Jack and the toys and the, you know, uh, Machiavellian thing that he had. He had some issues, but overall, I definitely think the episode had a good message, had a good theme, and it was very entertaining to watch. I, I definitely enjoyed it. I want to hear your rating on the 1 to, tail, one to 10 scale of your episode after I give mine. We'll, we'll give all, both our ratings at the end of the episode. Does that, does that sound good? I think that sounds perfect. So when we come back, I'm excited to hear about your episode of Darkwing Duck and see if it can compare or be on the same, even the same level as Toys R Us. Teaser, it's called Paradox. All right, folks, we are diving back in with our second part of this two-part feature where you, for the price of one podcast, get two episodes of Darkwing dived into and reviewed. Now, uh, Kalen just did his episode. I am going to jump in and do my episode that I watched over the week. And this one comes from season one on Disney+. Plus. It'll be episode nine, which means I think if you're in the, if you're in the original order of episodes, it would make this 11 because they hid episodes one and two deep in the, you know, the 29 and the 30. So here's Hashtag Rimrod. Yeah, because, of, yeah, the, no, it's Ram, Ramrod. Um, oh, shoot. Yeah, Rimrod's on a different one, a uh, different show that you've probably watched. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to go with season one, episode nine, Paradox. And this episode, here's what caught my eye on this one. And I'm going to set this up and then I'm going to burst everyone's bubble here in a minute. I'm flipping through trying to find the episode I want to watch. And I start with one and go a couple do, 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 bing, the thumbnail image for the episode. I was sold instantly. It was a T-Rex trying to eat Darkwing. And I'm like, whoa, this is going to be great. A T-Rex in the episode. What kind of wild events led to a t-rex you know being the enemy that he has to fight i can't wait to watch this episode so i dived right in fun fact about this episode you could probably get away making an argument that this episode's actually a musical so if you want a little bit of 90s classic music cartoon musical uh this is the episode for you episode nine again paradox um just to set this up for you real quick we start out with a couple science nerds, with Darkwing and Goslin. Um, they, they have some great names. You have Dr. Hooter. Uh, he seems to be the guy in charge. 
I'm, I'm thinking maybe he's an owl. Like, we don't, they don't spell it out for you. But I just, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that Dr. Hooter is an owl, thus his name, right? I mean, I, yep, that's all I was thinking. Yeah, that's probably why they named him that. And then the other one is actually a great classic, what we come to expect, a Darkwing pun. Uh, this very intelligent scientist uh, is Dr. Cerebellum, which, you know, a kid in the 90s probably didn't pick up on that. But um, a man in the 2020s can <laughs> definitely pick up on that. <laughs> so, well done, writers. You just laid that little, little Easter egg just waiting for us to come upon it, uh, you know, 30 years later. Uh, so these two are basically combined kind of that Q character from the Bond movies uh, where they're developing the science and the gadgets and the gizmos that Darkwing's often using. It's not spelled out for you, but I assume they developed the little gun that he uses that has like the hook and rope and sometimes it's a gas gun or whatever. They're the ones making the tech he's, he's using all the time. And so pretty quickly he finds out they've built a time machine. And of course, we have to screw with the time machine. Gosselin had sneaked in the back of it. Darkwing gets in and like a moron just starts smashing buttons. But that's just kind of <laughs> his character. He just, you know, jumps right in the deep end. And what do you know? The time machine works because that's what they built it to do. And they start <laughs> flying through time. Now, here's where I'm going to burst your little bubble. All of you who got excited about that T-Rex. I'm ready. I'm ready to see the T-Rex. The T-Rex is in this episode for a grand total of 1.3 seconds. Generally speaking, it might be like up to two seconds. It's while they're like traveling through time. They're like, whoa, look at all this wild stuff. We're traveling through time. There's a T-Rex that tries to chomp at them in their golf cart as they travel through time. And that's his only appearance in the entire episode crushed i was so upset at that wow well this is going to be a terrible episode but i hadn't got into the musical components yet so it ended up being salvaged that's all you're going to see of the t-rex my friend so if you're in this episode for the t-rex move on this is not the episode for you i mean i'm i'm moving on but i'm also i love musicals so i'm i'm gonna stay if you like greece if you like rebel without a cause uh, if you like movies kind of set in that 60s era with the greasers and the muscle cars and what have you, uh, Elvis Presley, whatever, this is the episode for you. So while that's not exactly my thing, nothing against it, and I did end up finding a, a gem of an episode because of some of the musical elements. And a really cool part of th this episode that I don't think any of the other episodes have is we get to once he lands in the 60s, meet young little 12-year-old Darkwing Duck. He shows up at his own, uh, like, elementary middle school, and it's him. And so his name is, he goes by Drakey, is what everybody calls him. And as Goslin and Darkwing first come upon him, kind of observing, it's revealed very early on that he is a total quimp. This guy is a nerd. And He's getting bullied by kids and Goslin's kind of like skeptical, like you were that little nerd, like what happened? So what I'm curious is, is, is if you and me jumped in the time machine and we landed in your Minnesota elementary in 1998, uh, 97, what 
are you and me walking up? Because it's something we don't do often is look back at ourselves, you know, as we were and what people would have observed if they walked up on us. What would people, what would you and me observe if we walked up on a young Kalen? Uh, A young Kalen would have been just a, a, a very insecure, nerdy, tiny, really bad hair into really weird fantasy type things. I, I mean, that's not to say that that's a much of a change from now, but I'm saying when I was definitely in elementary school, I was much more of that shy kid who was too afraid to stand out and just wanted to kind of fit in. So I, I could kind of relate to Darkwing on that and that level that I think that he blossomed to an extent of getting to know himself. But I definitely think that like, yeah, if we went back and we saw little, little elementary school Kaling, he was definitely afraid of the world. Yeah. It's a good lesson for us all to kind of look back at what we were then and how far we've come. I can tell you, buddy, you've come a long way from that guy you just described, but thanks for walking me down that memory lane. Glad you got to meet him. So after (laughs) after meeting our young little, uh, Drakey, our little nerdy Darkwing Duck. <clears throat> uh, we very quickly are introduced to the villain of the episode. This villain is the King. It is a play off of Elvis. He's a big Elvis. He sounds like Elvis. He looks like James Dean. Uh, just to give you that kind of mental image, I think technically he might be a cow, though they don't get like it's not very obvious. He could also maybe be a dog. <clears throat> He's definitely not a a duck character. So. He actually, uh, early on in his introduction, gives us a nice like Elvis parody song as they are robbing a record store. Him and his crew, they brought along Drakey, who's just that little wimp that kind of goes along with everything, mm-hmm. to rob this record store. At first, uh, Darkwing and Gosselin are just observing, but then Darkwing, kind of forgetting himself, as he often does, thinks, I've got to stop this crime in progress. So he bursts in for just a second and surprises them, and then Gosselin's like, no, idiot, you're going to mess up the timeline, and pulls him out. Yeah, and then they get in the, the time machine golf cart with that little pop-in of 20 seconds, or whatever it was, even less, was enough to mess up everything. So they go back up into regular time. Everything's out of whack. Um, Dr. Cerebellum and Director Hooter are like mechanics in this auto shop. And it's just a mess. The king, like, runs the entire town of St. Canard. You don't exactly understand what led him to be so successful as a, you know, mm-hmm. as a villain and for yep. them to then be, you know, mechanics instead of science nerds. Anyways, things are out of whack. They mess something up. They quickly realize after kind of duking it out with the king and his henchmen there in the, in the shop, we've got to get back and fix what we messed up. Yeah. You might think... Well, surely they would just go back and stop Darkwing from intervening in the record store so everything would be on its normal path. But no, their approach is to show up right after those events occurred and basically try to take down the king is Darkwing's uh, approach. So actually probably further like tearing the rift in time that they created, yep. like making it way worse, uh, one would think. Uh, so that's kind of the route they decide to take. They show up. They meet Drakey. They interact with him. Darkwing tries to kind of train him and, and teach him what it's like to like defend yourself, learn a little karate so he can stand up for himself, be a little tougher, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
Drakey tries taking the lessons. It's not really showing a lot of fruit for all the labor. And very quickly they learn that the king is setting up to rob another record store, a big one. And it's a record store that actually looks like a record player. So it's a record store in the most literal sense anyone has ever used the term. And so they're going to go in there, foil this robbery and set things right by stopping the king before he could become this, you know, villain in the future. Right. So it's kind of the, uh, you know, we're going to go back and kill Hitler when he's, you know, a teenager mentality. So they, uh, they go to the record store, turns out it's a trap and Darkwing and Goslin and, uh, you know, Drakey, young Darkwing fell right into it. And when Darkwing and Goslin are about to get smashed, uh, thankfully Drakey finds his courage, uh, you know, ends up coming to the aid of Darkwing and Goslin. And that's when, once they're free from kind of their bondage, that's when we get the second song of the episode. And it's a full length, you know, two and a half minute song of this time Darkwing singing as he completely wrecks the king and his crew. It is Darkwing in his finest shape. Not only is he just like, actually beating up the bad guys which is kind of rare in darkwing duck usually he gets lucky yep. he's like actually kicking their cow butts or whatever and he's <laughs> singing the whole time as he's doing it like it's very impressive and like where has this darkwing been the whole time and i wonder if maybe some of the courage that drakey displayed rubbed off on him and he forgot about his ego for a minute and just focused on the true kind of core of what he is and that's a superhero that does have some abilities and 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 capabilities and so he ends up beating the pants off these guys gets them all you know wrapped and and quickly uh what you find out is drakey has this newfound confidence darkwing and gossam feel like their work is done it's a little bit of a play off of back to the future where marty turns his own dad into a confident hero if you recall and back to the future in that plot um where they then turned young drakey into a confident hero and he was able to to stand up to the bullies Mm. and to wrap up the episode you know they're basically taking off okay and yet at the same time the audience is left to wonder if they hadn't come back in time and, and that second time and interacted with Drakey, what would Darkwing have been like down the road? What, what events made him into Darkwing if this was him as a young duck, this little wimp? And then you start to really get into like, wait a second. So is the Darkwing wing always known this entire series? only a result of the events that we just watched take place. And it's just been a, it's a paradox. Ultimately is what it comes down to. And here's, you're, you're probably doing what I did. And that is you're about to rip your hair out of your head, trying to understand what, if they hadn't come back, would we ever have had Darkwing Duck as we know it in the first place? here's the answer just don't think about it too much because it will keep you up at night you'll stop eating you'll stop sleeping you'll stop showering i'm actually just for the first time today i've decided that it's time to eat some food 
Um, I'm going to try to come back out into the world. I saw the sun. Uh, just don't follow down that hole that I've been living in for the last week since I watched that episode. It will destroy your life. Just take solace in knowing that none of us will probably ever know. And that's, that's the conclusion. <laughs> you took me down a rabbit hole that I didn't want to go down, and now I'm afraid that I may be stuck. Because let me let me pull you back up. Please pull me back out of this rabbit hole, because my brain is mush after that. The answer lies in whatever you want it to be. I think is the ultimate answer because any movie, show, cartoon, comic book that messes with time travel are just kind of honestly making it up as they go. No one truly knows what the results would be if we did this and that. And then, so you just get caught in these, these kind of infinite loops if you keep trying to wrap your mind around it. So we're, we're moving on. We're going to go to the final segment. That's rate the shows. I can't wait to hear what you came up with the rating of your show. I'm going to give you my paradox rating in just a minute. All right, we're back. And it's that time of the show where we give you our ratings of our episodes. So if you want to watch it based on our rating, great. If you want to skip it based on our rating, great. Either way, you're going to get to know what we thought of that episode on a scale of one to 10. Kaylin, what'd you think of yours, buddy? I give my episode a solid 8 out of 10. Wow, 8. You really like that villain. I am obsessed with the nostalgia that came from the title, Toys R Us. Always going to resonate with me. All the little toy puns, toy references, I thought were genius. I thought the... Episode itself showed a lot of relatability between being a child and having a parent and trying to keep that balance of let me live my own life, but let me also let you take care of me. I think the episode itself is a gem hidden in the mine that is Darkwing Duck. I like it. I like it. I think I'm going to have to catch that one now. It sounds like one of those staple episodes that you just don't want to miss out on. I'm going to go ahead and give mine a... I'm going to give it a, a 7.8. Here's, here's why I don't give it a little higher score. One, I'm still a little mad about that T-Rex only being in the episode for less than two seconds when it's on the thumbnail. I know that's not the show writer's fault. It's the people at Disney Plus, those crooked people over there that put that on the thumbnail. No one's <laughs> oh, well, I wanted to see that dinosaur. And there he was for two seconds. Um, I just felt a little bit like, basically hoodwinked on that one and so that knocks him also the villain didn't seem very original i i honestly think some of these writers had passion for the king because they made an elvis joke last time that you reviewed an episode here the main mm-hmm. villain is an elvis parody darkwing sings a song that's like literally an elvis parody you'll recognize like some elvis tune as soon as he starts singing it these show writers like this performer this musician they're, yeah. they're playing off that as they build this character, and it just didn't feel that original to me. I wanted something a little bit more. They never explained the power of his guitar or why it's able to do what it does either. So in my opinion, that's a bit of a plot hole right there. Like, yeah. tell me how this came to be, and maybe then I'll buy in on its capabilities and whatnot. Uh, also, record stores don't have that much money. Why are they robbing record stores? So a couple plot holes there. 
that just knock it down a couple pegs, but what brings it back up into that almost that eight, that better than average range is the fact that it's got young Darkwing Duck. You get to know what he was like as a little kid. That's fun. That's cool. That's the only episode we're probably going to get to see him as a little guy and what he yep. was like. And these musical numbers, they're the one especially done mm. by Darkwing at the end. I was like literally getting excited watching it. It was an entertaining <laughs> experience. It's truly well done. So that really helped save it. It came right at the end too. So that's what got it up into the, the better than good range. Um, really enjoyable episode. Though when it comes down to it head to head, I'm going to say your episode sounded more enjoyable than mine. I'm going to let you take this round here, buddy. I feel like I would have to agree only on the fact that also my episode was a little bit less of a mind blown. I feel like when it comes to time parodies, people get really confused, including myself. And so I definitely think that could be a plus or a minus. Some people love that sort of thing. Other people don't. But I feel like your episode had so many good aspects, but trying to connect all the dots could be a little bit difficult. So, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you, but Take I think it was the prize. <laughs> Nod your head, tip your hat, mm. and walk away. Enjoy it. <laughs> well, what I'm more interested, I want to know others who are listening now or who may have seen these episodes, what do you think? Do you think Toys R Us actually would be number one when it was placed against Paradox? I, I actually really want to know what other people think as well, because obviously, I mean, we're no, we're no experts. I mean, we're pretty dang close, but we're not. Here's what we need to do. When this episode goes up, when it gets posted, we need you to go on Twitter, find our account at Saturday Cartoons, and we'll put up a poll. And you can help us decide, uh, almost like, you know, you're the judge, me and Kaylin are the lawyers, kind of arguing our yep. case. Tell us what you thought was the better episode of the two, whether by our arguments for the episode, our description, or if you got a chance to watch both of them. They're both definitely worth the total 44 minutes it would take you to watch them. That is a workout. That is a wake up and have your coffee. That is nothing. So yeah. try them out and then head on over to our Twitter page. We'll leave the poll up for a week from when this episode drops. I want to get your votes, Saturday Cartoons. Let's see what the people think. I think that sounds like a genius idea, and I'm I'm ready to accept my green gack when I win. Mm-hmm. That green <laughs> gack. I wouldn't count the squirts of gack in your hand until you've got them. Uh, with that, folks, I think, Kaylin, if you're feeling like it's time to wrap it up, I think we're about there. We're getting a little bit long in the night, uh, and, and just like Darkwing, we have to vanish and go off and fight crime. It's been a blast, buddy. It's been awesome. I'm excited that we got to spend another Saturday morning with all of you and with you, Cord. This has been a blast, and I, I can't wait for our next Saturday morning cartoon show coming up soon. A couple more episodes of Darkwing left, so keep checking back in to wrap those up with us. And on next week's episode, we'll preview what our next series is going to be. We will do a, a little preview. We'll give you a clue. We're not even going to reveal We'll give you a clue. You can figure out if, if you guess what our next series is going to be. What, how's that sound, Kaylin? I think that sounds perfect. We'll give you a, we'll give you a little taste of what's to come, and we 
hope you figure it out. But if you don't, then you're going to just have to tune in to figure out what, what we're going to cover next. Can't wait to have you come join us on another Saturday Cartoons. Take it easy. Bye. Literally, stop using your fingers. Use your teeth. <laughs>